Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Here at our church at Saints Peter and Paul in Houghton, Michigan, for the last six weeks, we as a church have been journeying through the Gospel of John. It began on Ash Wednesday when we heard that from dust we are and to dust we shall return. Week after week, we've opened up the scriptures that have been God-breathed in order that we can hear those words and receive that gift of eternal life that Jesus has promised to us. And so each week, we've looked at a portion of the scripture moving right through a few chapters each week. But now this is Holy Week. And the Gospel of John indicates that Holy Week is obviously a highly significant part of the story of Jesus. So John actually dedicates eight chapters of material, almost a third of his book, to Holy Week. And so starting today, we're going to go back a little bit, back to John chapter 12, and throughout the week, we're going to progress all the way through the Gospel of John. So today we're in John chapter 12 with what is sometimes called the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. So here we have Jesus entering Jerusalem, the city of the king of Israel. Jerusalem is the place of power and prestige. It's the place of the king in Israel. I suppose you could say it's kind of like the Washington, D.C. of Israel. Throughout the earthly ministry of Jesus, he has refused attempts of people to make him king. If you go back to John chapter 6, verse 15, you'll see that a group of people at that point, early on in the ministry of Jesus, tried to seize him and force him to become king. But he snuck away and hid himself in order that he wouldn't become king. His time had not yet come. But now, in John chapter 12, his time has come. Now the time is right for him to demonstrate that he is the king. There are crowds and crowds of people in Jerusalem and just outside of Jerusalem. They're gathered there together for the celebration of Passover a feast of pilgrimage where Jews from all over the world would gather together. Jesus has gone to the Passover likely every year of his life, and so he is doing what is customary, traveling to Jerusalem. So there are crowds of people, but on this Passover, things are different. Because on the way into Jerusalem, Jesus, in John 11, he's just raised his friend Lazarus from the dead, and word has been spreading among the Jews that he's done this marvelous sign. So people are, are coming and gathering out on the streets for this short, few-mile trek of Jesus into Jerusalem. And as they line the city streets and, and the, the entrance into Jerusalem, they look at Jesus and start treating him like royalty. They lay their coats down on the road to welcome them in. They grab palm branches and they wave them, which was a, a signal, something that they did when they would welcome home a victorious king from battle. 
And they even assign to Jesus kingly terms. He who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And those Jews, they shout out that they believe that Jesus has the capacity to save them. For they shout out this word, Hosanna, Hosanna, which literally means save us, save us. They're treating Jesus like the new king of Israel. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the king? This guy? What kind of king is he? I don't think he's quite what they expect him to be. Kings are supposed to come with power, with strength, with swords in their sheaths. They're supposed to come with armies and with authority. But here Jesus comes humble, riding peacefully on the back of a donkey. The question is, does the reality of Jesus' kingly entrance into Jerusalem match the expectation of the people? What do you do when reality doesn't quite match your expectation. I mean, this happens all the time. Anytime that we're awaiting something to happen, we have some sort of expectation of how we want it to go. Whether it's conscious or subconscious, if we're waiting for something to happen, we have some sort of expectation. So what happens? How do we respond when reality doesn't match our expectations? For example, I've seen uh, some different examples online of what people call Pinterest fails. I don't know if you know the website Pinterest. That's the place where uh, professionals, I think, like, you know, designers and cooks and chefs and interior designers put their things online and it all looks perfect and manicured and then normal people like us try to copy it and it just doesn't turn out. So, you know what I mean? Pinterest fails. So, let me show you a couple examples. I'm not sure how high quality you'll be able to see this, but I'll explain what you're seeing. So, for example, the expectation. You know, maybe for Easter you want to bake some bunny buns, right? That's what that is, a picture of bunny-shaped dinner rolls, bunny buns, right? And so you go home and you try to shape these things and you end up with the reality of some demonic-looking bunny buns, <laughs> Or maybe the expectation is you saw this perfect picture of a happy family at Christmas time, ready to celebrate their joy of Jesus. And so, you know, you get the kids ready in their Sunday Christmas best, and you get the letters joy, and the reality is maybe not so much joy. Or maybe one last one, in the, in the spirit of Easter, you know, you've got this newborn Easter baby, and so you get your kid in a bunny suit. I don't know, maybe this is a picture of Marcus when he was a baby. In some Easter eggs, and the reality is nobody likes to wear a bunny suit, right, and be put in a bunch of Easter eggs. Does reality match your expectations? Last Wednesday was April Fool's Day, and I'm not usually one to get fooled too easily, but my kids got me good. Honestly, they did. I, 
I, I came home. Uh, I, had been, I had been out and I came home and my kids told me that they had been on FaceTime with their uncle who loves to do magic tricks. They had this whole story prepared for me. And they said, Dad, we learned a magic trick. We learned that we can put a, a, a quarter into a bottle of water. And I'm a sucker for a good magic trick. Uh, some of you have seen, I shared this video the other night, but some of you haven't seen this before. But here's what, here's what happened. I got home. They put a quarter on the table, put a bottle of water on top of the quarter, covered it with a towel, said some magic abracadabras, and then they whipped the towel off. Hazel, with incredible actress skills, put her eye up to it and said, Dad, it's really in the bottle of uh, water. And Max looked and he said, it's really there, Dad. You gotta look. So I put my eye up to that bottle of water and here's what happened. Boom, water. Let's see it. Oh, we better watch it again. Oh, oh, there it is. That was refreshing. How many times is this going to play? One more time? How many times does it take? Oh, yeah. You see the joy? on That's joy on children's face right there. They got me good. Expectations versus reality. My expectation was there was going to be a quarter in the bottle of water. Instead, I got squirted in the face. I'm sure some of you are dealing with similar things at your homes right now, too. What's been your expectation of this stay-at-home order? Those of you who have kids, you know, and maybe you're trying to work from home, what was your expectation that you and your kids are going to be like uh, uh, colleagues sitting at the table for eight hours a day on your own laptops working away? And what's reality been, right? Maybe, you're, maybe your kids have just been enjoying playing outside in the fresh air and you've been enjoying not showering and eating snacks all day. Maybe you've been enjoying, maybe the reality here is maybe better than your expectation was, but sometimes reality doesn't match our expectations. So the expectation of Jesus was this, that he would come and be the king of Israel. Like Solomon before him, full of wisdom. Like David before him, full of military might. Like all of the good kings of Israel who had come before to drive out the oppressors and bring the freedom to God's people, they wanted Jesus to come and overthrow the Romans and bring about their salvation from their oppression. This is what the Jews wanted. This is what they expected their king to do. Yet within a week, their king was dead. Was that what they expected? I don't think so. And obviously, thankfully, we know that this is not the end of the story. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but next Sunday when we gather together, we're proclaiming that our king is alive and risen from the dead. We know that he doesn't stay dead, but for them in that moment, can you imagine what they were expecting? See, the people see their king riding into Jerusalem and they desire Jesus to save them, to Hosanna them. It's their expectation of their king. And isn't that our expectation too? Isn't that the expectation that we have of Jesus? We, we desire him to save us, to drive out the oppression, to be our king. We need a savior. We're desperate. We need deliverance. We're trapped in our homes. We're isolated. 
from one another, from our dearly loved family and friends, from the people of God and the gathering of his church. We're doing our best to be patient and optimistic in this, but how long, O Lord, do we need to wait? We we want the weather to change, and maybe that will be the, the magic cure to all of this to get us back to normal. Some people are longing for a magic pill or for the doctor or scientist to find a cure to make everything get back to normal. We have big expectations, and yet we have no idea of what the reality of our deliverance will look like from our current state. We just want it all to be gone. We want to be set free. That's what we desire. In a way, that's what the Jews wanted as well. And they believed that Jesus could do it. You see, the the Jews only saw what was right in front of them, and I think a lot of times we only see what's right in front of us. We see the immediate oppression, the immediate need, but Jesus saw the deeper need lying within all sinful people. I need to be forgiven of our sins. See, Jesus looks beyond the immediate and he sees the real need. We can't escape our immoral thoughts. We can hardly do anything to correct our bad behavior. This is the real reason that Jesus came. This is why he died. This is why he rose in order to deliver us from our sin from the devil, from the power of death. This is why he died. This is why he rose. This is why he will come again. This is why Jesus is our king. Jesus is our king. I tell you, there is a greater reality in Jesus being king than any expectation that we can fathom. Now, I I know that we don't fully understand how kings work in this country. We don't have a, a king Well, let me tell you what it means. It means that the king is in charge. And this king named Jesus, he's a good king. He loves his people. He is for his people. And he'll do anything for them. And this king named Jesus, he's not dead. He is alive right now. He's not weak. He is strong. He's not arrogant. He's humble and yet powerful. He's our king. And this king, he's far above any power or authority in this world. This king named Jesus, he's far and above more knowledgeable than the best medical professionals. This king named Jesus, he is above the CDC and the World Health Organization. This king named Jesus has more power than all presidents and prime ministers combined. This king named Jesus has authority over all things in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And all things are subjected to the name of our living king, Jesus. So when we look to what the crowds were shouting on that Palm Sunday, let's look at their words. They said, Hosanna, which means save us. We need salvation. They said, they said, you, Jesus, are the one who can deliver us. You, Jesus, we believe, are the king. We believe you're the king, the one that we need. I overheard my kids talking the other day, Hazel and Max. They were playing pretend. I don't think they knew that I was listening, but they were dressed up, and, and, and I heard Max say something to the effect of, I'm king of the whole world. And Hazel said to him, no, you're not. 
uh, kings can only be kings of part of the world. They can't be king of the whole world. And Max kind of hung his head and distraught, you know, kind of accepted that reality. He wanted to be king of the whole world. Well, guess what, kids? Guess what, everybody? Jesus is king of the whole world, of all things, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And this king named Jesus came for you, and he is for you even today. You are his, and you are beloved. You are in his hands, and he will deliver you from sin, death, and the power of the devil this day and tomorrow and for all of eternity. This is his day. This is his week. This is the week when his time has finally come, when his purpose will be made fully known, when his unexpected method for bringing about the salvation of the world will come true. And it will be more painful and yet more powerful than anyone could ever expect. I pray that you join us this week. We're going to gather together online for Monday Thursday worship at 6 p.m., uh, it'll be live-streamed in, in the same way that you're watching this on Facebook or on our website. Then on Good Friday, same thing, 6 o'clock. And we'll be back here on Easter Sunday as well at 10 o'clock. Pay attention to your email this week and our social media channels. We're going to be asking you uh, to participate in some ways to make those gatherings special just like we did for this Palm Sunday video with kids and families waving palm fronds. We've got some more ideas for similar sorts of things. But I want to share with you one interactive thing that we're going to do this week if you decide that you would like to participate. It's been our custom here at Saints Peter and Paul for the last decade on Good Friday when we gather together for worship to put up a Good Friday cross. It looks something like this if you can see it. I know that's a dark picture. Uh, but we have this Good Friday cross and in our worship we ask people to come forward and pound a nail into that cross in remembrance of how their sin died with Jesus. Obviously, we won't be able to do that here in person. But what we're going to do uh, after we're done with our live stream here today, I'm going to put that cross outside under the overhang uh, uh, entrance to our church. And at any time this week, because I know you're not going out all the time, um, but at any time this week, if you're going to get groceries, you can bring your own hammer and your own nail or nails and come and pound some nails into that cross. And that Good Friday cross uh, with nails in it will be part of our Good Friday and Easter live stream. So we invite you to come at any time throughout the week, this week, with your own hammer, with your own nail, and pound a nail into that cross in remembrance of how your sin died with Jesus. For now, for now, Hosanna, Lord, save us. Jesus is our King. In his name, amen.